Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we got a hurricane of news this afternoon as we're recording this on Wednesday, September 6th. So let's not delay at all. We got a ton to talk about, and not a lot of time to get it in. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He wishes he didn't have to go to work when he asks for a raise. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, dude? That's where you're wrong. I just have children so that I don't have to go to work. He thinks Chris Jones better order off that dollar menu until he gets paid. Sam Black is here. What's going on, man? Didn't know fine dining had dollar menus. I am Sean Deegan, and I never feel like I'm letting my teammates down because corporations can suck it. So before we dive into everything Chris Jones said today, and we've had like a lot of news. I, I initially, we moved recording to Wednesday. Typically record on Tuesdays, and the podcast drops on Thursdays. Everybody knows that at this point. I had actually gotten this done ahead of time for once. I'm not just sending it to the guys, you know, 15 minutes before we start recording. And then everything happened, and I felt justified in not sending the rundown until 15 minutes before we start recording. We're going to start with Nick Bosa, because that's the news. That's the big hammer. Bosa agreed to a contract extension with the 49ers of five years, $170 million total which includes a guaranteed number of $122.5 million. That's a lot of money. It makes him far and away the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. It's, I, that's got to be the most guaranteed money ever by, for a defensive player that I've ever seen. He's, he has set the market, and I don't know many people would say he doesn't deserve it because that guy's a monster when he's healthy. So let's start with that, because I think our conversation about Nick Bosa will help us with what we're going to talk about with Chris Jones as we move on here. But just to start, when you guys saw the numbers, what was your reaction? Because that is a whole heaping pile of money. Uh, Sam, will let you badly it off. What, what did you think when you saw the numbers come down for Nick Bosa's extension? I think the word they used when I sent it to you guys was, Jesus. That's a big, big contract. Like, I, I think the... Overall number was what I kind of – it's kind of what I expected him to get, but I didn't think it'd come this easily, I guess just being jaded from the Chris Jones deal. Um, and then after kind of it settled in of, okay, yeah, that's understandable because he is probably the best defender in the game right now or arguably the best defender in the game. Uh, the second thing that came to mind was how are the, how are the 49ers doing this? Because I saw a tweet after that that is they have now have the highest paid defensive player, the highest paid tight end, the highest paid fullback, the highest paid running back. And I think there may have been one other one all on their, all on the same team. And I'm just like, how? what cap wizardry are they using here? Jacob, what about you? When you saw the contract details come down, how did you react? Yeah, somewhere to say, I'm like, holy smokes. And also... <laughs> I guess almost in kind of two ways reflecting back to the Chiefs of if we find that man, like, you know, the pass rusher, edge pass rusher, just pay him the day after you draft him. Now you can't actually do that, but do it anyway. Not going to lie, it made me a little bit heartbroken <laughs> just because of what we'll talk about here with Chris Jones in a bit. But that kind of money, it felt maybe not a one-for-one you know, uh, comparison, but 
this felt similarly to me in the Tyreek negotiations when then Devonta Adams signs his contract. And you're just sitting there going, oh, so that's the new standard. I don't, it, it made me think that maybe this is it. Because that is, and again, he, he earned it. Nick Bose is a monster. He, he, even if he's not getting sacks, he is dictating how offenses have to play. And you better have an elite level game plan, like an Andy Reid level game plan, if you're going to neutralize or at least offset the impact that Nick Bosa can have on a on a game against an offense. So for me, it was a little bit of heartbreak because that is an incredible amount of guaranteed money. I think Jacob, you were the one that you sent us the text about how it's you know more annual per year. And also more guaranteed than JJ Watt got, or TJ Watt, excuse me. TJ got it's by six million APY more than what TJ Watt got. But then you said like showed sent the guarantees like eighty, and you're clearing that by more than forty million. That's insanity to me. So I'm I'm a little nervous what this does for signing defenders long-term because I think the NFL has finally realized what pass rush does. So we'll get more into that here in a minute. But I do want to ask you guys, is this a sign of things to come? Should we start to expect, maybe not all defenders, because obviously defensive tackle has has started to establish its own market here this offseason uh, with guys like uh, Quentin Williams and uh, Dexter Lawrence and those guys, they are signing their extensions in the mid-$20 uh, million dollar range. but does this dictate how we will see at least edge, if not all defensive contracts going forward? Or do you think this is more of like an Aaron Donald contract situation where it's an outlier and really once Micah Parsons get paid, gets paid, this all kind of settled down. Where are you guys at with that? Jacob, we'll start with you. Yeah. Let me start with Micah Parsons. Cause what is he at year two or three of his, this will be year three coming up. Okay, so he'll have to play what one more year and then start negotiating next offseason. You can negotiate what after your I guess he's a first round pick, so they can just Yeah, you've got the five years, so technically you can negotiate in your fourth. They would tack it on um, to the end of the fifth year option. So any it kind of similarly to how Nick Bosa's contract works, it's anything after the end of that contract. So we're still a little ways out from him, I guess is what we're saying. But, yeah, I mean, I think you can look right at the Aaron Donald deal and see a similar trend. I do think it's going to be the, hey, that's a little too far out there contract for a little bit. But I think you're right. Once Micah Parsons comes up, he's going to be asking for more than that deal because it'll be there'll be enough guys to fill in the gap between the two that he's going to be like, yeah, now I need to be the one in front of that. But – I do think it's just like the Aaron Donald one where people will fill in behind it for a little bit since the Rams went crazy on Aaron Donald's deal. Sam, where are you at? Do you think this is going to be the norm going forward? Or do you think we'll see you know a, a regression back to the mean once Michael Parsons gets his contract? No, I think this just basically resets the, the cap point of what a defender can make in the NFL. I mean, obviously, I think that's what this is going to set because 
when Micah comes to the table next year, he will obviously be the next guy up that gets that massive contract. Unless he wins defensive player in the of the year this year, he doesn't have the foot to stand on to say, I need to be paid more than Nick Bosa. Because without that, without having I've been defensive player of the year, Cowboys are just going to look at him. And, and again, it's the Cowboys, so Jerry Jones could very well just say, okay, let's give you the highest paid contract in the world. And that's how it happened. But I don't think without that defensive player of the year award, he has the, the ability to go above Nick Bosa. It's going to be close. But I think you'll see basically um, – as, as Jacob would, would appreciate the bell curves, we'll start to see the bell curve start to move to the right slightly, where it's starting to go up slightly. But it's not, I mean, just because he got this. So what what was average yearly? It came out to 32? 34. 34. Yeah, 34 even. 34 even a year. So just because he got 34 a year doesn't mean all NFL pass rushers are now going to be, oh, I'm now at $28 million a year. Like, that's not how it's going to work. Like, you'll, it's still going to have the gradient of who, who ends up where. This just kind of pushes that where those top-end top talent, as, as we'll talk about Chris Jones, are now like, okay, he's at 34 instead of looking at the Aaron, Don, Aaron Donald deal where it was like shooting for 30. They're looking at 34 now. So – it's it it will shape the market a little bit, but I I just cannot see unless the cap the NFL cap goes up crazy next year or the next two couple years, which it very possibly could with the new TV deals and and all the new uh, streaming service deals, it could could shoot up pretty high. But I can't imagine teams being like, yeah, we'll give our defensive end who is an important player the same that our quarterback makes. Like it's not going to be that that level. Your next player up, you know, because we were talking about Parsons, the next player up is Brian Burns. Just he's currently him. in negotiations, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and he's, he's currently unhappy. Well, he's the kind of player that he will, like, there is no way Brian Burns can go to the table and say, I want 34. But now with that deal, like, again, I have no idea what he's even been asking for. Like, if he was asking for 26, now he can go back to the trade table and be like, okay, that was 29. Like something of that nature where he is one of the elite top pass rushers, but he's nowhere near Nick Bosa. On the point of Micah Parsons, your your point about him not winning defensive player of the year is, is valid to me, but also in his first two years, he's finished second in that voting. Once as a rookie and then last year. But he hasn't like, won it. What else do you like? It's he's been a monster. Hey, like, hey, I, can't, I mean, he will. If you're an NFL team players. and saying you haven't won it saves you four million dollars a year, I think that's a pretty big deal. I I would not be shocked if Micah Parsons is the first forty million dollar per year defender by the time his contract comes up. Because I think because, like you said, you got two years before then. And to your point, Sam, I think it's a really good one about, like, the contracts are not – it's not that everyone's going to start asking for more than Nick Bosa, but it does bump up those, like, mid- to high-tier guys that maybe aren't elite, but it opens up a lot of doors for them as far as what their earning potential is. I think that's a really good point. I I think that these kind of contracts 
are maybe not the norm. It just depends on what kind of elite level talent that you have. And not everyone's Nick Bosa, not everyone's TJ Watt, not everyone's Mike Parsons, but your point, Sam, about it being a long, the, the middle tier and the high, high end tier that's not elite getting bumped up is, I think, where you'll see the most. I think it's a really good point. I think that the biggest thing I took away from the Nick Bosa signing, because um, obviously kind of moving off of that, is this kind of, I mean, as it, as it applies to the Chris Jones saga, is we see these massive contracts being given out constantly where we talk about like Pat Mahomes, first half a billion dollar, $500 million, uh, massive contract, biggest in the NFL. Today it seems like a reasonable deal. Like I was trying, I didn't pull it up fast enough. I was going to go pull up like what Nick Bosa's brother made because I know he got a really good contract as well. Um, but all of these contracts now after Nick Bosa signs seem insignificant. So if, think if, if, if the Chiefs had signed Chris Jones for $29 million a year yesterday and then Nick signed today, it'd be like, good job, guys. Did a good job. Joey's contract was $135 million total with $78 million guaranteed. Yeah. Seemed like five. not chump change, but. No. Got half time, guaranteed to his brother and is $40 million shorter. I don't know if they are they the same length. Were they both five year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those Christmases must be baller. <laughs> Can you imagine the two sons making a combined amount of more than $300 million? I better get a Lexus. Like I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. That's when those car commercials on TV are actually realistic, is what you're saying? When the bow yeah. comes to the bow for go, Oh, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. I'll get that for my 14-year-old sister. She just got her learner's permit. <laughs> Last thing here on contracts, and then we'll move to Chris Jones. Excluding Chris Jones, because he's you know a more specific conversation, and I wanted to make him his own topic. There are two other big names that are still in negotiation right now. There, are talk, there have been reports that there are actual offers on the table. Promote these players. So I want to get your guys' opinion. Who gets signed next? Justin Jefferson or Joe Burrow? Who do you guys think is the, the next shoe to drop? Jacob, we'll start with you. When can Jefferson resign? Right now. Oh, can he? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, they can get an extension done right now. Okay. Because I think this is the same thing for him as it would be what we're talking about for um, – Michael Parsons, because you're not—he's not in the last year of his contract, but he'll be coming into the fourth year. Yeah, this will be his fourth year. So this is when you can negotiate and get the extension done, because they're obviously going to pick up the fifth-year option, and then the extension would just be tacked on to the end of that, similar to what they did with uh, Mahomes. I see. Uh, I mean, I guess to me it makes sense that Joe Burrow would get a new deal. I don't think he's waiting anybody out anymore versus I think I feel like they probably were waiting out uh, Herbert for a little bit, but now I think it'd be time. But it's not like Justin Jefferson's really waiting out any wide receivers that I can think of off the top of my head. But but I'm still going to say Joe Burrow. I mean, quarterback deals seem to get done a little easier and less messy than any other position outside of maybe offensive line. 
But, yeah, I'll go with Joe Burrow for that reason. Sam, what about you? Where are you at? Who goes first, JJ or Burrow? I think uh, Joe Burrow, and I think the reason for that is is it this is last last year of Kurt's deal, isn't it? So I yes, think they're going right. to wait, yeah. wait yes. to get him off the books before they do Justin Jefferson. Yes, Kirk Cousins is in the last year of his deal, and they've like both sides are like, yeah, and we're not negotiating. Yeah, so, so I think once they Minnesota. get – what was that? Kyler Murray to Minnesota. Dude, let, no, here. Just just think of this. Kyler Murray to Atlanta. Oh, my God. My fantasy team would be so happy. Him and Bijan running the speed option, like just – Let's go. Terrifying, but you know, I, I think I think once they get the once they get his number off the books, I think they'll probably look at getting uh, they'll probably like get a rookie quarterback and do Jay Jettas. So, but I, I could see Burrow being next week, like before or right after the season starts, potentially. I don't have as much faith in Bengals ownership. Uh, I think they'll find a way to screw it up, especially knowing that they have. Because I think T. Higgins needs to sign an extension this year, too. Because he's not a first-round draft pick. This is the last year of his deal. And then you have to sign Jamar Chase next year. You have to get that extension done at that point. Both T. Higgins and and, and I know one of them, obviously Tyler Boyd will be gone next year, but he's also in the last year of his contract. Right. And that's kind of like your offense. Yeah. That's all of it. Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. That is the offense. This is also going to be Joe Mixon's last year, for sure. There's no way. Uh, he's no, he's he's probably guaranteed the next two because of the the deal he took this year. Because he that's took the bacon. I haven't year. looked up the the new details of that rework, so that's a really good point. I'll have to go back and look at that. But but that's, Joe yeah. Mixon is not part of the the triumvirate of no. Joe Burrow, Jamar <laughs> Higgins, and, and Chase. Yeah. So to me, I have to wonder, given just, and I'm basing this off of Bengals history, just given their history of how they've tried to handle contracts in the past, I would not be surprised if they are trying to find a way to get as team-friendly a deal without insulting Burrow as they possibly can so that they have enough money to try and sign Jamar Chase next year and T. Higgins this offseason. Because I, I still think Higgins is this year and he's out. Like, they'll tag him and trade him probably at best. Just because they're – and people say, like, well, everyone has the same amount of money. Technically, yes, but if you look at actual cash, not every ownership ownership group is created equal because the guarantees have to be put into an escrow at the time of signing. So you're all of a sudden out. Like, Nick Bosa's the, – the 49ers owner is out $122 million right now. Like, that money has been set aside completely. And for those not aware, the Hunt family is not one of the wealthier in monetary value in the league. No. Unfortunately, that's one of the biggest probably issues with this contract negotiation is Clark Hunt is not the level of some of the other owners in in the NFL. Right. You have to think about that guaranteed cash. Anytime you're making a long-term offer, you have to know whether or not your ownership group has the cash readily available to do it. That's why people are very surprised about the Browns because they are not a cash rich organization and they give $230 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. So having somebody like that 
come up with Joe Burrow, who is should, you know, top the most recent quarterback contracts with Burrow and Lamar and all that, you got to have the money to do it. You have to have the cash to do it beyond just what's available under your salary cap. So I'll say JJ just to be different. Let's move to Chris Jones because Chris talked with the media today. He had a charity event, which was awesome that he's still, in spite of kind of everything, is still you know here doing stuff in Kansas City uh, for charity. That's really cool and a major prop to him. So he did get some discussions. We'll get into kind of the things that he said here in a moment. But I do want to, while we're talking about Nick Bosa's contract, ask you guys, how do you think the Nick Bosa extension actually affects the Chris Jones negotiations going on with the Chiefs and and the Cats brothers? Because they don't play the same position, but it does seem like Chris has wanted more than Aaron Donald, which I get his argument for this year. And now the needle has been moved on where defensive lineman contracts max out at. So I wanted to know from you guys, how much does this impact that negotiation? Uh, Sam, will let you bat lead off this time. You know, when the, when the news first dropped, I I had thought that it would affect it, um, pushing it, making it easier on Chris's side to get him that money. But the more I've thought about it, I, I don't think it will Um Bosa's considerably younger to the point where if he plays out this five-year contract, he will be the same age as Chris is now. So, like, he's signing a five-year contract the same age Chris is at. You're not going to get the same dollar amount as him. Like, I, I think it's going to be they, – they are going to fight over the probably $29.5 million until something gives. So, I, I don't think it affects a whole lot. Jay, what about you? Do you agree with Sam that – this doesn't really play a major role in these negotiations? Or do you think it'll have a bigger impact? I don't think it helps, but I don't think it's a mega factor is what I guess I would think about it. I mean, it doesn't help to say, like, hey, it's a pass rusher. Look, that guy got that. I'm not even asking for that much. That would be what the agent is going to bring to the table of, like, Listen, you saw what that guy just got. We can respect that our guy has not doesn't have that many as many sacks as that one over the last three. But what we've asked you is not that ridiculous. I think it'll affect it more than than maybe you two do. Simply because I think there is a chance the Cats brothers knew that this deal was coming down. And maybe that's what they're holding out for to get all of the puzzle pieces in place for them to negotiate a deal that's as close to 30 plus million as they possibly can. So I, I don't think it'll help. And I think it'll probably affect things more to the point where I'm, like I said, kind of the top when we were reacting to Nick Bosa's deal, I was a little heartbroken because I do think that this felt very much like Devontae Adams getting the contract and then going, Oh boy. Are they going to keep Tyreek Hill? This has a similar feel to that, even though it's not a one-for-one comparison because you know Chris Jones and Bosa play very different, play different positions. It still feels of that ilk to me. Speaking of the contract, Nick Wright, Kansas City favorite, went on to do you know first things first, 
on the FS1 with Fox Network and all that good jazz was started started at uh, his lowly beginnings at Kansas City, uh, specifically on 610, not lowly, but just local, and has gone on to do big things, rocking the long hair slash almost mullet, but not quite. And he actually did some reporting on First Things First on Tuesday, I think it was. Uh, Monday or Tuesday, I forget now exactly. But he actually reported, and I'm paraphrasing here, if you want to find the actual uh, video, you can go to foxsports.com and find it. That's where I I found it. But he actually reported that Chris Jones has an offer on the table, an extension offer, that would be tacked on to the last year of his deal for this year. So essentially it becomes a new three-year deal of two years, $54.5 $54.5 million, fully guaranteed. So $27.25 million per year that is completely guaranteed. You're not talking about any inflated numbers at the back end of a contract. You're getting all this money no matter what. He also said that what Chris Jones and his representation wants is two years, $32 million fully guaranteed. So more than Aaron Donald. Maybe not by much, but more. And wants it guaranteed. Prior to the Bosa deal, because that's when this was first reported. It was before Nick Bosa obviously signed the extension. Knowing what was on the table, are you surprised that Chris Jones hadn't taken it? And Because obviously now it changes because you know what's possible with guys like Nick Bosa. And if you're Chris Jones, you can go, well, I got 15 and a half sacks and I had to play defensive tackle. I'm taking on double teams. So are you are you guys surprised that knowing that that was on the table before the Bosa extension that he didn't take it? Jacob, we'll start with you. You said it'd be 27 per year. 27.25 per year. It's a two-year extension. So it'd go at the end of this year, he gets the $20 million that he would have made already for this season, and then gets an additional 27.25 for the next two years, fully guaranteed. Okay, so they wouldn't be adding anything on to this year. Can they do that in an in extension, add on to the current year or not? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's a good question. I think they'd have to essentially put in a new deal. I think you'll probably do something with guarantees or what the cap number is for the first year. Typically, teams would probably want to lower the cap hit. That's so for Chris Jones. He's obviously going to count like twenty plus million against the cap this year. The Chiefs right. want to lower that because the minute he comes back, they're over the cap. Right now, because he's on the did not report list, he doesn't count against the top 51 salary cap. So for right now, they're okay. But the minute he comes back, they need to get under the cap number. So he would, most teams are going to want to lower the cap hit for this coming year. So there might be some restructuring, but I don't know if they would tack on more. Maybe more guaranteed, but I don't know how much more. I mean, I guess I would say... I guess I would say if he doesn't want to take something like that or within a million or so, it's time to explore the trade market. Sam, what about you? Are you surprised that that deal was on the table and Chris Jones didn't take it? Again, you know, assuming all this before the Nick Bosa extension, but are you surprised that a fully guaranteed extension was on the table and Chris Jones said no? Not necessarily. I I think the the fully guaranteed part is almost – a necessity because of his age. I I think he's shooting for 28.5 to 29 million a year. 
like, I, I think if, it, well, I think that's what he probably was originally shooting for. I think probably today it is come $30 million a year plus or, or it's not happening. Like, I think if the Chiefs had come to him with a 28.5 to $29 million, he'd probably taken that. But now that the new deal is signed and this has dragged out so long, I think they've dug their heels in so far that Chiefs are coming to him or it's not happening, essentially. So it, it doesn't surprise me because I think he – at this point, I, I'm he has a value of what he's worth and he's not willing to come off of that or come down to what the Chiefs think he's worth. Like, he he is at his level, and he's expecting the Chiefs to come meet him. And he and I think if they had gotten the done, deal done earlier, he may have been easier to bring down. But I think right now it's, I mean, it's, it's my way or the highway at this point. And it, it is unfortunate, like, that it, it is the way that it's trending. And, again, I, I still have – in all hope in my heart that Chris Jones plays the rest of his career as a chief. Like I want to see that man as chief serve the, the rest of his career, but as it's trending, it, it's very possible that it's going to be a, Hey, we've got you under control for the next three years, whether you like it or not situation. And that's how it's going to get played and, and they'll get whatever they can out of them. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he didn't take it at that, at that level. I was surprised when I heard it was fully guaranteed. Because while it's not Aaron Donald money, it's definitively more than, what, Quentin Williams, who got, like, what, 24? It's the next highest. And fully guaranteed. I, I That was a little surprising to me. Now, having heard him talk, it sounds like he is entrenched in the idea that I'm the best defensive tackle in the NFL. I deserve to be paid like it regardless of whether or not it's based off this just this past year's stats, which I think is going to be the problem, is that you look at just the stats, and a lot of people who are just you know stat heads look at it and go, well, he's not as good as Aaron Donald. It's like, yes, no one's contesting that. But if you're Chris Jones, you can say, well, I'm taking on double teams and all this jazz and blah, 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 blah. So I was surprised when it was fully guaranteed they didn't take it. I'm less so now having seen the Nick Bosa contract and having heard him speak. But at the time, when I first heard that that was on the table, I was like, that seems really reasonable and like a really nice middle ground point for the Chiefs. And the fact he didn't take it did kind of take me aback. Now, he, like I said at the top of this, he did speak with the media. He had a charity event that he was you know, still gracious enough to show up for and, and make sure all these kids got an experience they'll never forget, which is a massive, you know, hats off to Chris Jones for doing that in the midst of a contract negotiation. Props to him. I, I, in all sincerity, props to the guy. That was really cool what he did. A couple of the things that he has said um, during this, this uh, media session, the press conference, impromptu press conference. I don't know if it was impromptu, but it felt impromptu. He did talk about a couple of things he said. He said he could play right now. If the deal was signed today, he'd be ready to go. A couple of the things that were a little... The, the big thing that was a little frustrating for me, I'll just be 100% up front. The one comment that's frustrating to me was his comment about when he was asked... I think it was Sam McDowell who asked, do you feel like you're letting your teammates down? And he said, how? Who are you letting down? Who's asking for your... Who's 
Let me try that again. How? Who are you letting down for asking your boss for a raise? All I'm doing is asking for a raise. The reason this bugs me, this is me going first, is I I try on the podcast, I've done this a few times, to express that when you're talking about contract negotiations, people are like, you should just take the best contract offer. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. I'm like, well, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a combat sport that's going to shorten your life, number one. Number two, you're living in an entirely different world in terms of the economy structure where guys who are making multi-millions of dollars are technically middle class in some cases. So to look at it through a lens, a little bit different lens where you assign values of, you know, top 1%, upper class, upper middle class, middle class, lower middle class, poverty, to guys who make, you know, anywhere, if you're a practice squad, hundreds of thousands of dollars to multi-million dollar contracts, half a billion if you're Patrick Mahomes. I try to do that a lot, as much as I can. Sometimes, though, I wish players would also look at it and go, and look it through the same lens in reverse. Like, I joked at the top, that was the intro for Jacob. If Jake, you know, Jacob wishes that he could stay not work when he asks for a raise, we still have to go to work. Chris Jones doesn't. So when you say, oh, how am I letting my teammates down by asking for a raise? Like, I get what he's trying to say, but to me, there's a better way to say it. And so I wanted to posit this question to you guys. I know I just kind of went first, but I'll let you guys take it from here. Did he help or hurt his case for a $32 million fully guaranteed extension with his comments today, with the fans, obviously, we don't know how it's going to affect with Kansas City. Maybe you know, if you, maybe it'll affect his relationship with the Chiefs. Who knows? He said that things have been amicable so far, but for fans, that rubbed me the wrong way. What about you guys? Do you think it's going to help or hurt his cause, um, Jacob? We'll start with you. Definitely hurt, but like you said, it's like it's only in the fan perspective. I don't think the Chiefs necessarily care at all that he said it. Like, eh, whatever. I mean, if anything, it helps the Chiefs a little bit PR-wise because if they did have to end up trading him, I think you're getting more and more annoyed fans and more people would be like, yeah, it's fine that he's gone after some of the stuff he said. So I don't think the Chiefs should do it from a this hurt us in a new way standpoint. But like you said, fans, you know, have the opportunity to be hurt because it doesn't make any sense. If any of us <laughs> ask for a raise and missed our job, there are consequences to your, we'll call them teammates, because they have to pick up the slack for you. It's like, Chris, it's not any different for your situation. Your teammates are going to pick up your slack as well. Sam, what about you? Do you think that Chris Jones is going to garner support or take a hit with his comments today? So I I guess I looked at it a little differently. Um, I think most fans will probably be upset by it, but the way I the way I kind of looked at it is like, man, he he is talking within his business. Like that is that is what he knows. Remember, these guys are drafted as twenty year old kids, and they come in the NFL, and that's all they know. Like I'm sure he's he's worked odd jobs, done stuff as a kid, but he's never had a professional career outside of the NFL. So this is what he knows. Like, and I'm sure he has inklings of what what a normal day-to-day job is. His parents did it, obviously. He has friends that do it, but he's never experienced it himself. So I think this is, I, th- I honestly think 
Because the way I look at Chris Jones is Chris Jones seems like one of the nicer guys as far as his interaction with the media, the way that he presents himself. He seems like a very genuine human being. And I honestly looked at it like he's trying to explain himself to the fans to be like, listen, guys, I, I don't like this isn't anything against my teammates, my you guys. I'm trying to make my money like I, and that's the way he can explain it to them. And the reason I don't think it's going to hurt him as much as other people think is because the event he was at that he did. it. Like the man came back. He didn't have to come back to Kansas City to do a charity event, but he did. He, he doesn't have to do these things. So it shows that like he's still a good guy, like at the bottom of what he is, like he's still a very good human being. He's just trying to get paid for the last couple years. He can make this money. Because that's the thing. He has a finite amount of time to make the amount of money that will set his family up for the rest of his life. And that's what he's trying to do. Now, we can argue because I've been guilty of it because I'm like, I was thinking, oh, they're a couple million dollars off. Why can't Patrick Mahomes go and say, oh, give him a couple million dollars. I'll give you $4 million a year back to give to Chris. And I thought about it. I was like, well, if he did that for Chris, what's that stop every other player on the team to come up to Pat and be like, hey, Pat, you did that for Chris. Why can't you do that for me? So, like, we we really can't comprehend money. I don't. Most people cannot comprehend dealing with money at this level. And it's really not fair for us. Like, it's a weird conversation because it's not fair for us to, to speak on Chris's finances. Like, it's obviously fueled our conversations through the offseason. So, thank you, Chris, for giving us topics to talk about. But it's not fair for us to be, like, to judge him for his contract because at the end of the day, he will never have this chance in his life to make this much money again. And we're not talking about Chris in a in a sense of this year. It's it's he's setting his family up for the rest of his life, like multiple generations with this kind of money that he's making. So I think I think ultimately, like you guys said, it will probably hurt his his case overall because I don't think fans will probably look at it in the same way I looked at it because I was just like initially it was like yeah that didn't sound good, but then I was like, does he know any different like? I don't think he does because this is his life. That's what he's living in. And he's trying to relate to the people that have been giving him so much shit on Twitter. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I always appreciate middle of the road, Sam take that helps. Why don't we pivot away from the contracts away from the money and talk about actual NFL regular season. This counts football because this podcast is dropping Thursday morning and you might be listening to this right before the Chiefs take the field against the Detroit Lions to kick off the NFL season. Chiefs and Lions will face off and wouldn't you know it, there's just more bad effing news to deal with right out the gate if you're a Chiefs fan. So sorry to nullify all excitement here, but did get word out of Chiefs practice today that Travis Kelsey hyper or yesterday hyper extended his knee. It seems to not be that severe, thank goodness, because hyper extending the knee can mean literally anything. Jason Kelsey had an interview, I forget if it was yesterday or today, where he seemed to qualify it as a bone bruise, which sounds much less worse than what we were initially fearing. But all that said, 
Travis Kelsey, a guy who has not missed a game due to injury, specifically injury, because he did get a couple of healthy scratches when the Chiefs had the division locked up and did miss one game due to COVID, I think in 2021, but has not missed a game due to a physical injury since his rookie year, is more than likely going to miss the season opener against the Lions. So what do the Chiefs do now? Because they are relying on Kadarius Tony, who's injury-prone, to come back from an injury and play significant snaps. You're relying on Sky Moore, a guy who did not have a particularly productive or good rookie season. You're relying on Justin Watson, an undrafted player that you can take off waivers when you got him. You're relying on a second-round draft pick and Rushy Rice, who we have a lot of hope for, but had a very up-and-down preseason where there were games where he looked like an absolute monster. And then against the Browns, had some gimmies that he just dropped, and it wasn't the best performance. You're relying on a lot of dudes that we don't really know a whole lot about yet. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is the perennial 600-yard receiver. So what do the Chiefs do now? Jacob, I turn to you for wisdom. Travis Kelsey is hurt. What do you do now? Marcus Kemp is a free agent, right? (laughs) Technically, I think so, actually. AFC championship legend Marcus Kemp. I think you look at your roster and say, Patrick Mahomes. That's what you're relying on. Man put will put a missile on any receiver, despite uh, how much separation that guy is getting. So I don't worry about the offense as much as the defense and the matchup. Um, obviously, Kelsey being out hurts a lot because that's your go-to man when things break down. But yeah, the Lions will be fun. I think we're headed towards kind of a shootout. And one, I'm not sure the Lions end up having enough firepower, but I think it's going to be a very fun back-and-forth game. Sam, what about you? I have no other way to ask the question other than Kelsey's hurt. What now, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, knowing the receiving options you have available to you? In Mahomes, we trust. Pacheco, 10-30. I, I'm trying to make up, like, proverbs of, <laughs> of, the, of the Chiefs' um, doctrine, but I, I came too late to it. Uh, no, like – you rely on the guy that has won you two Super Bowls and is shown to be one of, if not the best quarterback that's ever played the game of football. Um, and then you you let uh, your hammer of a, of a running back wear them down to the point where, because again, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because obviously we have more questions, but it's not like the Lions are an exciting team. The Lions are going to be fun, but they are the Lions, and we have Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not excited, guys. I'm not excited. I'm nervous now. You're not excited to see Noah Gray take over the tight end position? And Noah is such a fun idea, and yet he's not Travis Kelsey. I hear what you're saying, Sean, and um, isn't Bushy on the practice squad? Yeah, man. Call him up. Bring up Bushy. Let's go. Don't worry, Sean, because the true tight end is going to show up in this game. That man is Justin Watson. 
Oh, I thought you were about to say Jody Fortson. I was like, pretty sure he's out for the he's, year. He's hurt. Uh, it's Justin was... Watson. They're going to be like, hey, Justin, I'm sorry. We signed you as a wide receiver, but guess what? We're going to put you into your natural position and just go do it. That... I thought Sam was going to say they're just going to put Brock Bowers in Justin Watson's uniform and no one's going to be able to tell the difference. Can we do that? I'm in. Is that possible? 100%, 100% in. I will say, though, that if Patrick Mahomes comes out and puts up a season opener performance that we're used to, goat. I'm, I'm putting it out there now. One of one. Because there's no one in the receiving core right now that I look at and I go, yeah, that guy will do it. Rasheed Rice is the biggest hope I have right now. And So quickly you have given up on Sky Moore, Sean. How the tables have turned from last year. Dude, I was in. <laughs> I was in on Sky Moore. I loved what I saw with his route running, his hands, and all that. And then he didn't do a damn thing. No, he he did a couple things. None of them were very good until the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And none of like and like they weren't even as a receiver. He was a special teamer. Like the one good thing he did as a receiver is because Mahomes was like, F it, like we're out of formation. We're gonna figure it out. Like he lined up wrong. I just like I'm not I'm not that hopeful for this receiving core right now. So if Mahomes comes out and slings it for like 330 and four touchdowns, I don't want to hear anyone talk about Tom Brady again. I just don't. The, the one thing I caution you of, of even bringing that into existence, Sean, that there is no help from anybody else, is that means there will be no money spent on this offense besides offensive line. No. I They're know. just going to be like, he did it with what? Okay, um, the highest we're ever going to take a player again is third round. <laughs> like, Can we trade back in the fourth and still win a Super Bowl? How many what? injured receivers can we pick up undrafted? <laughs> what is the shell of Julian Edelman doing right now? Can we win with that? So I do want to ask, you know, Sam, you, you say, like, they are the Lions, but... This Lions team was pretty damn good down the stretch and made a real push for the playoffs despite a really tough start to the season. Finished 9-8, and eight, second in the NFC North behind, you know, obviously a, a offensively driven Viking, Vikings team. And their defense is no joke. They've got a terrific offensive line. They've got a defense that's got some real dudes on it across, up and down. And they've got... One of one of my favorite receivers in the NFL, Amon Ross St. Brown, who I I think is a legit number one dude. So, who on the Lions actually does scare you? Is there somebody on the Lions who scares you as a legitimate threat, offense and or defense? Whatever, if you want to give one of each or one or the other, totally fine. Just is there a guy that you look at and go, if that guy goes off, we've got real problems. At this point, Sam will let you bat lead off this time. So I, I actually, looking at them, I think it's very interesting because they are, their defense is our defense, essentially. When you look at how it compares, obviously they don't have spags, but a lot of similarities to to our defense compared to theirs. Young, did I mean, 
came on on the end with Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end. They've got C.J. Gardner-Johnson led the NFL in, in interceptions last year, but he was on the Eagles, which when you're getting 70-something sacks a game, like people are going to throw up ducks. Um, they, they've got a – I think it's a pretty comparable defense to ours. Like you can say Aiden Hutchinson, but I'm going to – like I'm going to swerve him because I think our tackles have improved enough where – I'm not going to list him because I really haven't watched him enough to to know what he is. I know he was he was competent out of college. Like we watched a little bit of his of his college film. We we're doing our, our draft stuff last year, but I'm, I'm not going to say I'm too worried about him necessarily. Um, I, I think that the two that I'd be most worried about it. I think you can you'd be amiss not saying I'm an Ross St. Brown. Like the guy is kind of a phenom coming into the NFL and, and just doing what he's done. Uh, it'll be really cool to see if, if he can continue to go on the trajectory he has because um, he, he just kind of, he kind of came out of nowhere and is, is just doing a damn thing. Um, the rest of their wide receiver core though, is not inspiring. Like you've got the corpse of Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, as your second receiver. That's not, not a pleasant sight. Um, the other guy that I guess I would I would put up there if I if I didn't say Amon Ra is a guy that I was very against the Chiefs drafting and you guys were all for, which is Jameer Gibbs. He he just he is a, a matchup nightmare, and like I like I talked about in our draft conversation, I I just didn't want the Chiefs to take another running back in the first round ever again. Um, but he is a kind of a matchup nightmare um, coming out of the backfield, so he he would be the guy that I'd be a little bit nervous about because Jared Goff doesn't really scare me. Um, David Montgomery is I, Isaiah Pacheco essentially like, so they're there. I think those would be the only two I look at as, as being scary options. Jacob, what about you? Is there a dude on the Lions roster offense and or defense that you look at and go, if that guy gets, gets going, we're in trouble. Yeah. I think Sam brought up, you know, all the, Key features. Uh, I think he meant Marvin Jones, not Marvin Harrison Jr. Future Chiefs. Wide you are receiver. correct. Like, if Marvin Harrison Jr. was on their team, I would be very terrified of him. Not At that point, I'm, 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 I need some new pants. <laughs> um, I actually think the Chiefs match up very well with the Lions' weapons. I think you've got Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil that will be matchups for Jameer Gibbs, and then. For the other guy on offense, um, um, Amon St. Brown, I almost – the Chiefs don't do this. They don't shadow or follow players all around the field. But I think Trent McDuffie would be the fir- perfect matchup against him because, like, that's kind of what Amon St. Brown's thing is, is just kill you with routes. And that's kind of Trent McDuffie's thing is I'm not the biggest dude, but I am just sticky on guys underneath. So – I almost wonder if they would let someone travel. Again, they don't typically do it. And then, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson would be the biggest question mark for me because of your new tackles. And he's kind of, you know, we always say, is it, you know, a speed or a power guy? And obviously you want both. But if I was going between the two, I'd almost say, you know, power is probably the trait that teams have a tougher time dealing with with him. And I think it'll be the tackle's first true test of, you know, is this the Eric Fisher, Mitch Schwartz type guys that we had in the past of, hey, yeah, we're going to stay in front of the guy, but we might, you know, get pushed back five yards? Or, you know, or do they have enough strength to just keep him, you know, at a standstill? So one of mine is conventional, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown. 
because I just I think he's a dog. I think the guy's a legit stud. And I agree with you, Jacob. I, if I'm the Chiefs, I say Trent McDuffie, follow that guy, and give him the assignment the same way they let Jerry Sneed travel with Mike Williams. Which, again, like you said, is not common for the Chiefs, but I think in this case he's the one dude in the receiving core that I look at and go, that guy's a problem. The other guy that makes me a little bit nervous is actually Panay Sewell, the right tackle for the, the Lions. He's a stud, man. He's I mean, if you look at guys like Brandon Thorne, who are like offensive line savants, or Duke Mannyweather, who is credited with having one of the best offensive line camps and was one of the best offensive line coaches slash minds in, in the business. They talk about him as like one of the, like maybe the best right tackle in the NFL already, at least top five. And that unfortunately happens to be the side that your best pass rusher is on right now. Like George Carlos is going to play left defensive end and he's going to have to deal with an absolute stud on the right side of the offensive line. And right now, without Chris Jones, if he neutralizes Carloftis, you're relying on Mike Dana and a rookie to get your primary pass rush with Felix Onyedike Osama. Maybe Tershawn Wharton in the middle, coming off of an injury, but how much do you want to rely on a guy coming off of an ACL injury? It's just a lot of, ugh, kind of feelings, especially if, Panay Sewell has a really good game, and he just shuts out Carl Loftus. I'm I'm nervous, man. Like, I love FAU. I loved him coming out. And I'm hopeful that he will come out strong, but it's a lot to ask a rookie to come in and be an absolute stud game one when you don't have your best defensive player and your second best pass rusher is having to go against an absolute monster at right tackle. Last thing here, then we'll give you our final score slash bold predictions are back. I don't know if we got any of them right last year, but they're bold. Last thing here before that, though, how do you expect the Lions to attack the Chiefs? How do you expect the Chiefs to counter? Essentially, what do you think the game plan is going to be against the Chiefs, and how do you expect the Chiefs to respond? Uh, Sam, we'll let you bat lead off on this one. Can we score more points against you? I, I think that's the only thing they're going to look at doing is how many points can we score because it's got to be more than the Chiefs. Jacob, what about you? What do you think the Lions are going to do to try and knock the Chiefs off in terms of a game plan? How do you expect the Chiefs to counter? Well, knowing Dan Campbell uh, and his old school ways, I would expect him to run the football while down three touchdowns just to try to establish the run in his old school mind. But I bites kneecaps. <laughs> bite his kneecaps, and I mean, I would expect a lot of running back usage with Dan Campbell. But if you go and look at the Lions from last year, they were a good scoring team. So I think you know <laughs> the silly way Sam put it is one hundred percent right. I, I think it's gonna be a shootout. I think you're gonna see them trying to get the ball all over the field. But again, I think they're. Two more proven, not proven, but two more I think will be effective weapons are running backs with Montgomery. And I do think Jameer Gibbs will have some some flash in this game that people will get excited about. And, I mean, defensively, if the Lions are smart, they don't try to blitz a lot. They try to hope that Aiden Hutchinson and 
whoever else. I mean, I saw a guy named James Houston had eight sacks last year, but I, my best guess is somehow he's related to Justin Houston. And that's just a complete guess, obviously. But I feel like they might have to blitz and more contribute to a shootout. Yeah, I think the Lions are probably going to test with the run. But I wouldn't be surprised if they abandon that fairly quickly and just go to a very shallow to mid-range passing game. Right now, they don't really have the deep threat with Jameson Williams being suspended for the first six games of the season. So it's it's a little... It's not as threatening of an offense as maybe we thought. It's a little, in terms of all levels of the field, they obviously have still got some studs with Jameer Gibbs, or what we think Jameer Gibbs can be, and then obviously current studs with Amon Ross St. Brown, and then Sam Laporta is a tight end I really liked coming out. So I think they've got some guys that can cause you problems. So I think that maybe they'll test with the run, and if the Chiefs can't stop it, it's a problem. But if they do, with like their nose tackle guys like Darren Naughty, Danny Shelton, who I expect to get called up, you know, I think they will, if they do, if the Chiefs are able to neutralize the run game, they will immediately just go to the passing game because I guarantee they don't think that the Chiefs can get after the quarterback. I don't think they, they believe that the Chiefs without Chris Jones are a serious threat to rush the passer. So for me, I think if you're the Chiefs, I agree. I think it's going to be blitz heavy. I think it's going to be a lot of stunts, and I think you're praying to God that guys like Felix on UDK Osama grow up fast, and the guys like Tershawn Wharton come back healthy. Because if that happens, then maybe it feels a little bit different. As of right now, not feeling great. Can I ask one question before we get to score predictions? Fire off. What is your what matchup are you most looking forward to? Honestly, it's, it's one of the two that I mentioned already. I, I, if they allow Trent McDuffie to travel with Amon Ross St. Brown, I think that would be an, a definitive sign on who they think their number one corner is. Because I, I, I think most Chiefs fans who are paying close attention, while I love LeJarius Sneed to death, I think he's a phenomenal football player, I think the better cover corner is Trent McDuffie. And I think that's fairly definitive. So I love that matchup. But then also, like, if George Karloftis comes out and he smokes Panay Sewell, my expectations for, for Karloftis change drastically as a player. So those, those are the two that I'm most excited to see because I think they will indicate where this Chiefs defense actually is. Jacob, do you have one? I'm most excited to see what Rice and Ross's matchups are and if they actually get to play, I guess. So mine's interesting is because I forgot he got drafted by the Lions because he's not even technically their starter right now. But it's Isaiah Pacheco versus Jack Campbell. Like, Jack Campbell is a, is a linebacker taken straight off the Steelers from the 70s. And Isaiah Pacheco is a bully ball. And I feel like it's if they act if they actually play Jack. So mine could blow up because I don't know if he's actually going to start or not because right now he's on their second. He's listed as their second string linebacker. But I'm like, God, that would be fun to watch a six five like two hundred and fifty pound running linebacker go up against Isaiah Pacheco because we know how he runs. All right, folks, let's wrap things up here. We're going to get some final score and bold predictions here. Jacob, we're going to let you bat lead off. Give me your bold prediction. 
and what you think the final score will be for the Chiefs versus Lions on Thursday Night Football. All right. Got to make it bold. So uh, three sacks between Karloftis and Felix. And then so they can share those however they'd like. Um, And then my score prediction, again, I think it's going to be a shootout. So I'm going to say 35-31 Chiefs. Man, what about you? What's your bold prediction? What's your final score prediction? So my bold prediction is not just a Chiefs prediction. It's an entire game prediction. And it's not a good thing for either team. Well, it's a good thing partly for our team and a bad thing for our team. Uh, there will be less than 10 quarterback hits, sacks, or hits in this game. And I think it will be it will be a shootout. Oh, let's let's go big this game. Let's go... 42-35, Chiefs? Just boat racing every – or just no defense. It's just no defense. Well, we get the bold prediction from Sean that Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes come close to 54-51 again. Oh, God, I wanted to. I thought about that today. Like, do I pick a, a Chiefs-Rams sword? Do I do it? Well, what's crazier about that game is think about all the guys the Rams had. Number one, the Rams' offense was incredible then, as well oh, as stupid. they had an incredible defense, and Mahomes put up 51 on them. Yeah, that's... Oh, whoops, and sorry, one more thing. Cam Irving was on the line that night. And Mahomes but why? is not the best. <laughs> but why? But why was he on the line that night? There's nobody else better out there, really? I say this as someone who's like athletic prime peaked at 16, but you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to have faith in the Chiefs offense. Mostly I'm going to have faith in Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to say my bold prediction is that, God, this is bold. I'm going to say Rasheed Rice ends up with six or more catches and 80 yards or more. And my final, I think, in this one is going to be... 3431. Alright, everybody, that's gonna do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. Hopefully, next week we will be talking about a Chiefs victory, a 1-0 start, and a positive, fun way to start the season. Until next time, you all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next week.